good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world. And welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight. And joining me as ever from across the pond, uh, if he was a crawdad, I would like to hear him sing. It's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, sir? I sing not, sir. Um, I'm doing quite well. Uh, you know, I, I guess today is uh, just another hot summer day here in Florida, but it seems like Dude. we have jumped across the pond and slapped you guys with some of our heat. Uh, it's quite hot in the UK right now. Man, we we were talking about uh, the Hot Ones Challenge off air, and I think I would have preferred to get to you know the tenth level of hell in that challenge and what we had yesterday in the UK. As the rest of the world have told us, you know, it's not that we have it hotter over here. The UK it hit 110 Fahrenheit pretty much yesterday. We don't, we're not built for it. You know, the road we had wildfires all across the country. The roads were warping because you know what we the tarmac we use isn't yeah. meant for that heat. Uh, we don't have aircon. Well. The majority of people, if you're if you've got money to spare, you can probably get it. But we don't have aircon in our houses. I was at work yesterday and was lucky enough to have a fully aircond office. So between the hours of nine and five thirty, minus a break in between, I was fine. I thought, what is what you know? What's everyone going on about? This is lovely. Until I stepped outside to go for a walk on my lunch break, and God, I felt this. My skin was prickling after about two minutes in the sun because it was just it was relentless heat. But um, apparently that's going to be the new norm now. It's not as bad today. I'm looking outside. We're going to get some rain shortly. So if you guys hear a thunderstorm, I, I do apologize, but the, the whole country will be rejoicing. So, uh, but yeah, it's been really hot, my man. Uh, luckily, I've been out of it for the most part. But if we, if this is going to be the new norm, I certainly hope we can all be given some air con or some bigger fans maybe in the future. But I survived. <laughs> I'm here to talk film. Are you keeping Florida safe and well, John? You know, in your in your moderate climate. Oh yeah, you know it's ninety three degrees here. With the, it feels like one hundred one, so it's not. But this Ugh. is that's normal July weather here. Uh, it is supposed to rain here in a little bit, so I'm excited for that. But unlike you, I do have AC. Uh, it's why our electric bills are so high here. But you never, it, it's not survivable. I don't think. Um, but I, I saw that like your uh, the runways at the airports were like melting, so they had to like shut down flights yesterday in the UK. That's so, it, like, man. And Wild the stuff. Um, train tracks were all warped as well because I, I, I'm guessing that you know they're they're obviously they're melded at a certain heat. If it gets to that, then they're going to try and return to their original state, uh, which is very which is so strange to have to think about. But yeah, it, it wasn't nice. I, I think going forward, it's going to be you know standard British summer from now on with the odd uh, really hot day in between, but nothing like it was. Yes, there's a record temperature in the UK and in England and pretty much all of the other. Uh, country scotland wales and ireland i think they all uh recorded record highs as well but as i said new norm now jb you know it's apparently this is how we're all gonna have to live now there's no such thing as climate change or anything like that so we're, just ha- we're all gonna have to stop moaning stiff up a lip and all that and get ready for it but um, i'm glad to hear you're doing well though my friend you still enjoying the summer break um i am uh you know kind of I- i'm at that point where it's too close to work coming back so i'm now like I feel like I should be getting ready for work, but I also am like, but I am still on vacation, so I should still be enjoying my vacation. And so I've hit this like weird, like, um, uh, impasse sitting of anxiety where it's like, I'm not doing either well. I'm not vacationing well, nor am I actually getting ready for work. So I'm just like, uh, in this kind of, um, purgatory of, of anxiousness. And, oh, no. uh, I hate it, but you know, um, 
I, I'm trying. I, I'm still covering uh, the Fantasia Fest, which I'll talk about a few movies a little yep. later on. Um, but and then uh, seeing some other stuff and checking some things off of my my watch list, um, and you know, preparing for my birthday, which comes uh, the literally the day before I go back to full work. Like I go back to work on August first. But that's with no students. That's just like teachers getting ready for students. And then the day after my birthday, students come back. So like that'll be my birthday present. We're getting to meet all my new students this year. But everyone listening now, it's John's birthday, the first week of August. So send all of your love and goodwill via uh, the BAMP channels and send him loads of gifts as well. He likes a present, I hear. I like a Criterion movie. They're on sale right now, folks. Um, You know. I w- do what you can i wonder what i wonder what john's present could be this year for me for the third year running but we'll see how that goes <laughs> but i know uh, hey look i'd rather get someone what i know they're gonna like rather than take the take the plunge or something they're not going to so um so it's jb's birthday coming up soon maybe tonight's film was an early birthday present for him maybe it wasn't you may have got the uh hint at the beginning of the show that tonight we're going to be giving a non-spoiler review of where the crawdads sing spoiler review will be dropping on monday this is going to be no spoilers so if you haven't seen the film you'll be fine if you haven't read the book you'll probably be fine as well uh we will go into the plot synopsis and sort of build around that though but let's get into the names and numbers it's directed by olivia newman who directed uh, 2018's first match on netflix and as i mentioned it's bit written on the like, absurdly best-selling novel by delia owens this sold so many copies i know reese witherspoon recommended it on her book club and it's kind of gone from there and i believe she has a producing credit on this film i think it's under her uh, production company's banner if i'm uh, right in saying that but it's written for the screen by lucy alabar so written by lucy alabar screenplay novel by delia owens who is in all intents and purposes also an awful person and it stars daisy edgar jones taylor john smith harris dickinson david strathen Michael Hyatt, Sterling Mesa Jr., Logan McRae, and Bill Kelly. And the synopsis for the film reads, A woman who raised herself in the marshes of the Deep South becomes a suspect in the murder of a man she was once involved with. Now, let's talk about the numbers, JB. Rotten Tomatoes. The the audience, 97% like this film, JB. 36% of the critics like this film for a book which was you know so well received and so well acclaimed 36 percent of critics like the film adaptation metascore it's sitting at 44 imdb user score though 7.1 and letterbox has got a very solid 3.2 out of 5 and it's only available in theaters uh, at the minute worldwide so uh and critically um, not great jb well, I'd like to. I, we don't usually do the Rotten Tomatoes audience score, which maybe we should start including that in general. Uh, we always bring IMDb user score, which is technically an audience score. Although, I, assuming that your general audience would watch or go to IMDb and rate it is is a big leap, anyways, right? And Letterbox yeah. is obviously for, for cinephiles by nature; that's what it's built for. So yes, the yeah. user score on Letterbox is still uh, it's someone who's committing a lot of effort to tracking their films that you wouldn't expect a casual audience member to do. I don't usually get reviews bombed on letterbox. Right. I'm not completely sure exactly how the RT audience score works. Um, like who that is. Does it, do people have to go log in on the website? Are they, are they yes. having like RT people ask at like, like they do for the, uh, the cinema score. 
which maybe we yeah, should start yeah. including cinema score that's a good um, show you have to log it you have to you have to prove that you've seen the film by uploading uh an image of your stub ticket stub or something or a, a something to prove you've been there and then you can uh put your rating or review on it it's to try and prevent idiots from re- review bombing films by you know even though you know if, you, if you've gone to see the film then you can still review bomb it but it was trying to put some kind of boundary in place for people to stop review bombing before the film actually came out yeah and that's um you know good but we the reason i brought this in is i think i'm not sure what you thought of the film just yet mm-hmm. but i thought i quick you always the, the way we do i'm breaking format and i apologize listeners but no, friend, um, you can do as you please normally uh I, I, I don't think this is a good movie. Mm-hmm. I think it is a cool story. I think there's a lot there. I think there's a lot of problems as a film. And I think the difference, the discrepancy of the critic score and the audience score in this particular instance is a prime example of how we're approaching our criticism. If you're only looking to be engaged with the story and think a story is interesting then I think it's easy to see why an audience would say 97%, this is it. Cause there's a lot here to think, Oh, well, this is really compelling, but how it's presented as a film is weak. It's missing a lot of things that I think a film should do. The general look of the film has a hallmark like TV vibe to it, as opposed to a kind of gritty story. And I have not read the novel, which I also think adds to the audience score is that you're going in with a, like if you were going in having been a fan of the book, while there are tons of examples of people who love a book hating the film adaptation of it, from what I've read at all accounts, this is a really solid adaptation. But the areas that are missing in the movie are a lot of her voiceover narration stuff. And if you know what she's thinking, the movie will make more sense to you than someone who is watching the movie cold, having never read the book. And so when you look at it from that perspective, I think that's why you see such a low critic score versus the audience scores here is critics are where a film critic is looking for specific things in the method of filmmaking that are lacking, I think, in this movie as a whole. Um, But uh, I don't want to go too far. Matt, I feel like you probably also thought this was, you know, there's there's a lot of interest here in the story, but. The movie mm-hmm. maybe was a little lackluster, but I'm I'm definitely wanting to hear it from you. What did you think of the the crawdads? Well, I think what you've just said about the discrepancy or disparity between audience and critic is actually spot on. Because originally I looked at it and thought thirty seven percent, gee. But I guess yeah, if you're going in with a critic's mindset and you're looking for certain uh, beats to hit, does the film do that? No, it doesn't. But if you're going in either as a fan of the book or uh, like me, I haven't, I haven't read the book, so I, I was, you know, I went in blind to this. But or if you, or but if you like, if you're somebody who is a fan of, you know, Nick Cassavetes' films, Nicholas Sparks' screenplays, you're going to love this. Um, but if you just if you're just going for a a, a mystery with a romantic element, a dra- drama, romantic mystery, then I think this film's going to do a lot for you as well. But it, I agree with you there, John, about some of the technical aspects of this film, but also the way it's presented. However, I didn't mind this film. I think I'm, I'm higher than the critic score for sure, but I'm not, you know, I'm not as boisterous as the audience. I think this is perfectly decent. I, I, I've already in my head, it's given it, I've given it a six out of 10. It never really shifts out of second gear. 
and it doesn't feel overly keen to kind of dive beneath the surface thematically or in any way. You know, it doesn't really, you know, it, it raises some interesting or potentially interesting or intriguing uh, themes and messages and nuance, but never really kind of, to me, go, you know, takes those layers apart and, and breaks them down or looks at them in an interesting way. It's very surface level. Um, and yeah, it, like you said, this film, for a film that's set in a swamp, it's a, it's a bit clean. It's all a bit, you know, there's, you know, maybe we'll make the, the clothes a little bit dirty, but everyone's got to look good still hair on point everyone's really pretty in this film it's it, I, I assume that it will look a bit like swamp thing in here but maybe but they, they, then the film does kind of say that you know we all, when they're talking about the main character of kaya who is played by daisy edgar jones i think she's really good in this yeah i think she's I, I think she's superb in this because she really conveys that it's kind of innocence steely naivety uh to her character is i i believed her you know the, the what she goes through in this film and Again, no spoilers here, but what she has to go through or her development as a person, uh, I think she is prime uh, to to present that, and I think she does a really good job. I also think David Strathern, I think he's great yeah. in this. You know, they, they mean, give him a they give him a platform to to he's do his thing. Great. Yeah, and he's like, it's never not good to see him kind of strutting his stuff across the screen. Um, yeah, I think a decent chunk of the dialogue sounded like it was adapted straight from the novel. It didn't feel entirely natural. There were a few moments when the characters were talking to each other and it felt like they'd literally just taken it from the book. They hadn't tried to, you know, they hadn't tried to change it up as it's to make it feel more organic and feel more natural when it's in a visual medium. So that kind of, that got me a little bit where I, I thought I, I didn't, this didn't feel real at times. Um, some things I just thought were, you know, unintentionally funny. It's just a, a conveyor belt of boats just heading to and from the marsh house. Like every five minutes, it just seems to be a boat coming to the house. But uh, I think at times it's got some good emotion. And a lot of that comes from the characters of Mabel and Jumpin, who are played by Michael Hyatt and Sterling Mesa Jr., the shopkeepers. Though I think the, the artists do a lot with the material they're given, I think the material kind of paints them out to be slightly one note and dare I say stereotypical. I did mention up top that the author of the book is an awful person. And I think that the, 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 the performers here, they imbue their characters with more emotion, maybe than what was already on the page. There's a couple of scenes towards the end, uh, or, the, or the final third uh, of this film with those two characters, which got me, you know, I found this film to be quite emotional at times, certainly towards the end. In the final third, I've got some of the scenes are quite emotional. Before that, I thought it was quite surface level. There are some scenes of domestic abuse, though. Again, so it's a trigger warning, and they are quite uh, shockingly presented as well. They don't hold back in their, uh, again, the P word, in their presentation and in their delivery. So bear that in mind, guys, as well. Um, David Ehrlich, uh, the guy who we kind of reference on the show when we always put an asterisk to say that we, you know, I don't always agree with him, but he's a hell of a writer. He compared this yeah. to My Fair Lady or Pygmalion for our international listeners, the Audrey Hepburn, Rex Harrison film adapted from it. And he's not entirely wrong. I know this is, he's comparing the book to that, but the story does have that similar vibe to My Fair Lady uh, with, ha- with how the character that, of Kaya, how she goes through the film. Um, the, the, the mystery of the film, as somebody who hasn't read the book, uh, I didn't mind it. You know, there were again okay, some parts which are which have huge jumps in logic to, for you to kind of uh, believe. But I think I quite liked the way that the film 
played out and how the final reveal was maybe well, not see how it's handled but the fact that it exists I, I quite enjoyed that though it also does kind of lend itself to some more questionable themes in the film in terms of uh where the character motivations and it's almost in one way kind of saying yeah it's fine to do this because this happened and I kind of got those vibes as well. But do you know what, though, dude? I thought I did think this was a solid film. I thought Michael Danner's score was decent. Uh, he won the Oscar for Life of Pi. Uh, as I mentioned, there is like a Nick Cassavetes, like the notebook kind of feel and that kind of yeah. stuff to this film. It's undeniable. Definitely. Some of the ro- the romantic stuff, a lot of that was mawkish. It was saturine. It was uh, melodramatic. But I think the scenes with uh, Daisy Edgar-Jones and tate uh tate walker taylor john yeah. smith uh one of her love interests i i really like those two together i think they're great i think they're really sweet and they've got great chemistry uh harris yeah. dickinson as chase andrews i think he plays his role really well but the characterization of chase was you know i if he did the guy stinks basically as a character you can see him from a mile off as i don't believe yeah. anything this guy says and that took me out you know that put me on edge because i was like i i, I, I I'm not in with this guy. So uh, performance wise, JB, I think the film's really solid. I think it sounds good. I think, you know, the cinematography is fine, but I think the actual costume design and makeup and hair, I think to me, they could have gone a little bit further to make me feel like this was less of a fantasy film and more of a, you know, a, a real kind of grounded dramatic mystery film. But I'm giving it, I gave it a six out of 10. I, I enjoyed this. I wasn't really bored during it. Though a few moments did take me out of it, yeah, uh, quite a lot. But that's what I think, though, JB. From what I, from what I can understand, then is I think I believe you said this was a perfectly fine or solid film. Yeah, I'm I'm a little less on it than you. I I would go like four out of ten, maybe mm-hmm. like maybe five if I'm being neutral. But um, because I I think the story is inherently compelling. Yeah. I think the movie does a really bad job at really showing the story. Um, yes. And I can't get into all of it without spoiling. Um, I did do, I've I not read the book, but I read an article. I forgot by whom um, that was kind of breaking down what was taken out of the book uh, from mm-hmm. the movie. And for the most part, the article said, this is a really solid adaptation. They did change a few things. The biggest thing they changed is the structure. Um, the book does not start with the murder or the, the found dead body that was later of chase, who is later proclaimed to be a murder. Um, it, it it starts with a coming of age story that eventually leads to her being accused. Huh. How do you feel um, about which, that then? Because the whole for the film, the framing device of the film is that murder, isn't it? It's a courtroom drama mixed with everything else, isn't it? I think the movie fails because of that. I think like I think that's a really interesting way to do this, but the movie isn't really interested in that. Um, and that's where <laughs> I can't get into my biggest complaint about it without getting <laughs> into spoiler territory. But um, as a film that seems to center around that as this big moment in her life and everything is cycling around it. And we're trying to get a sense of like why, you know, people would think this about her and we're getting a sense of like this, uh, others, otherness, this outsider element of her character that the, the world views her as this freak, even though she's just a, a person who needed love and, and acceptance. Um, and instead was treated with hostility. Um, that, uh, that's such a, a crucial part of this story. And yet it doesn't seem to be that interested in the murder. So it's like, then why start with the murder if it's not really that important? And again, I can't get into without getting into spoilers, uh, 
my biggest complaints about that, but I will, and you'll hear that in our spoiler episode. I'm looking um, forward to that, and I'm going to be on it. I really agree with almost everything you said about the performances, except I am going to blame Harris Dick- Dickinson a little bit for mm-hmm. Chase being such a bland character. I do think by comparison maybe to Taylor John Smith and potentially the character being written better, I found Chase to be obnoxious in every way like yes he's you're not supposed to like the character but i'm saying just like him on screen i'm like oh my god it's like a black hole of charisma i am bored when he is here and again the character is written badly um by design i guess you're not supposed to like him they they didn't want any chance that someone would be devastated that he's been killed like they wanted to make him the worst possible character um, but the notebook comparisons are real solid there with like the the crossed lovers and the like, especially the, the later parts well. of the film. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, some of that stuff really doesn't work for me. There's a scene where Tate and um, and Kaya kiss Kaya. and there's like leaves spiraling around them, and yes. it's really. It's, really over the top yeah, it's you can tell that's the kind of yeah that's the kind of stuff i commit the, ro- the romantic stuff is fine to a point but and i love me some romance in my film me too me guys but it yeah yeah it, like i say when it when it's making my when it's making my uh my mouth just feel like oh my god i've ingested 10 sugar cubes and that's when i have to kind of pull back and think mm, one of the and like there's an expression about cinema that is show don't tell. And there are plenty of examples of filmmakers who choose to tell rather than show Tarantino's characters talk up a storm. Often (laughs) it would have been faster to just show us something, but the dialogue there is so compelling that that's actually the draw, right? Like you're there because of the snappy witty dialogue. Yeah. 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 This movie doesn't have that. It doesn't have snappy witty dialogue. It has, like you said, kind of perfunctory dialogue. And this movie fails many times to show us the more interesting things that would, would have made this worth being adapted. Like it, it, there are things that make sense, even some structural things we hear. Occasionally we hear Kaya voiceover, right? Yeah. And it's never established why we are able to hear her inner thoughts. Cause we do not hear all of her inner thoughts. It is not like a constant thing. It's not like a noir film or, um, some movie that's relying on voiceover for whatever reason, we're not constantly in her head, but there are moments where we hear voiceover. And I think the end of the movie gives us insight as to why we were hearing her voiceover, but they don't establish it at the beginning, which is uh, something, a framing device that is not well. That's, I think fundamentally as a film, this movie's tapping into all these things that filmmakers use, all these different tools that filmmakers use to tell their story, but they're not using them completely. It's like they're picking something up, trying it for a few seconds, and then putting it down, forgetting that they were doing that. And that's where I think you're seeing the critics being really harsh on this. I think the filmmaking in general is flawed. There's a lot of little issues that, again, if you're just looking at this, was the story interesting? Well, yeah, we have this girl who... For me, I found a little hard to believe that all of her family would just completely abandon her the way they did. Like I'm and watching, no one and... would, no one would turn up and be like, "Do you know what? I, I know you say you don't need help, but you're ten and you're by yourself." And I'm willing to say, "Fine, maybe this happened." I will try to suspend my disbelief. I still think her family, and we're obviously supposed to think her family's kind of a bunch of jerks because they all left her, and they do explain some of it. They don't explain all of it. Um, and again, like. I've, I found that even like, I'm like, okay, so 
we're supposed to see this poor girl. Oh man, she's had such a hard life. And now her life is even harder because of this accusation of murder. And it comes at a time when her life is like going well. So there's a lot here and I get that. And I understand why it's compelling and interesting, but some of it also just is like maybe too much, maybe scale it back a little. Like it just her life is, is challenging enough. And the way I understand the book being structured it seems to really focus on that part of it and that the murder and the trial that follows is far less the centerpiece of the book. And I think that might help the other stuff not feel as dramatic or as over the top uh, because it is the big conflict of the story. When I think about it now, you know, that's that's very, very true because when you were talking, I was thinking, what other films have used this? And immediately I thought of, uh, the Exorcism of Emily Rose. Now, whether anyone thinks the film's great or not, I think it's pretty good, actually. But the courtroom drama is the film, and the horror around it is is there to add the seasoning to that. But they never lose track of, you know, the trial in this film. This is the point of the film. This is where we, this is where the tension comes from. And I feel like this film could have taken a leaf out of that film's book where, hey, look, you can still have these things going on about it, but you have to fill those trial scenes with that atmosphere with the tension or the dread almost that if you don't know what's happening like we don't want we don't want you to go down for this we don't know whether you did it or not when we're watching but we what you need you need to feel something in those moments and i agree now yeah thinking back those courtroom scenes were they were emotionless for the most part you know there's there was lots of people the, the the crowd you know the people watching in the trial were kind of trying to fill us in how to feel with there was lots of gasps at times or cheers almost but I didn't feel that naturally myself. So um, I see to that point, uh, that's a very good point. Yeah. And, you know, like that was kind of where I was watching it. I was a little bored at a couple of moments, but overall, you know, I found the, the performances really good. And I, I thought um, the story's interesting and I kept waiting for certain things to happen. And a lot of the things that I thought were going to be essential or, you know, what you would expect from this type of movie aren't there. And I, I felt like a mistake and not just like, I don't feel like it's me wanting something that the movie didn't do. I feel like the movie promises something and then doesn't deliver it. And that is upsetting to me as a film viewer. Um, not even as a critic, just as a general watcher of movies, like there are certain things. If a movie's like, Hey, wouldn't this be interesting? And I'm like, yes, movie. I think it would be interesting. It's like, well, too bad. And it's like, Oh, all right then. Um, <laughs> Why not? Like, is there a reason that you run out of money? Like, why didn't we get that? Like, it feels like that was, that was what this whole movie was built around. You're not going to, okay. All right. All right. Thanks. Have you always. Yeah. So that, that was my, my issue. And from what I understand, the thing that I'm referring to is in the book, but they didn't do it for the movie. And it's like, well, that's the, that's what you sold tickets for guys like that's what especially i, think I know what you mean as well because i i read a few articles post so i to kind of compare uh to the film to the book and i think i think i know what part you're talking about however i'm very interested to see if it is the same part yeah. or not but i'm also interested though jb to see what fans of the book think of this film i know a lot of i posted on my socials yesterday you know i was out there and I had a few oh no two or three dms from people saying they can't wait to see this film because they've either listened to the audiobook or they've read the book now i didn't say anything to them other than well great i, I hope you enjoy it when you do get to see it but i'm really interested yeah. to see what the fans or or 
the book admirers think of this film because it is fairly by, by the sounds it's fairly faithful with a few yeah. liberties here and there so I, i'm really excited to see what you know the people who have been there since day one with this book feel like because for you and me we're going in to see a you know like a, a dramatic mystery romantic mystery film with no real idea of what's going to happen or what the twists are what the plots are or the characters and sometimes that can be a blessing and sometimes it can not be but for those who know what happens i wonder how they're going to take this uh we'll find out in a few days mine but that's what i'm excited for as well yeah i agree um um you know the friends that i have who've seen the movie and read the book um all all liked the movie but also admitted that there were some things uh that they found some of the things we've talked about like issues with the movie but because they'd read the book they were a little more forgiving of those things they could anticipate okay the final question did it pass the tuna test no he hated it he thinks it's a terrible (laughs) movie Oh, tuna, my man. Yeah, no, fair dues. Uh, I, I didn't think this film was perfect. I didn't think it was uh, the best mystery film I have or going to see this year. I thought it was perfectly solid. I think I'd be willing to say the performances made th- knock this film an extra point or so up then. Maybe it could have been because, yeah, it's very, it is middle of the road. But I think Daisy Edgar-Jones is so good. David Strathern in his role is so good. You know, I think there are little, little performances here and there alongside them which are really good but daisy edgar jones she's a star in the making she was really good in uh fresh beginning of the year as well so i'm looking forward to seeing what she does next and uh hopefully those who like the book will like the film so uh jb before we move on anything else to add for the crawl dads nope that's all i got then let's uh let's get on the boat my friend and get to the next segment of the bamp which we like to call chuffed headlines each week john and myself we take a movie or pop culture news headline that caught our attention for any reason and we share it with each other and the world so jb what could you have gone for this week that i wouldn't never have gone for so um yeah there's no way we would have uh both looked at this one but um so surprisingly i guess it shouldn't be that surprising but halloween ends trailer drops yesterday um when from when we're recording this and uh it it has to be our headline um because this week uh we we posted on our socials our most anticipated films for the end of the year right like we're halfway through the year we still got uh, six months worth of movies coming out and oddly a more stacked end of the year than summer, which is unusual yeah. in yeah. traditional theatrical going at least. Um, but so when we were talking about our list, we both made a joke that we had almost included Halloween, Halloween ends despite both of us not liking Halloween kills. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I am excited for it because I'm like, maybe they can fix it. Cause I really liked the 2015 Halloween. I 2018. Hate- yeah. 20 is it really oh man okay yeah. sorry yeah man uh it feels like it was longer ago. um <laughs> but i really hated halloween kills like i was yeah, mad at that good. movie last year and so i'm hoping somehow they bring it back like maybe they can salvage this quote-unquote trilogy i guess it's mm-hmm. a quadrilogy because the first I halloween guess, still yeah. counts but I don't know. But so we made that joke, I think early yesterday. And then like yes. by the afternoon, the trailer dropped, which I didn't watch <laughs> until like late that evening. But, um, so I thought we had to talk about it. Uh, I think 
this trailer delivers what we thought kills was going to be, which would be, you know, are we finally going to get, uh, the, the, the showdown that we were promised in the 2018 Halloween, um, yes, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Laurie Strode, uh, um, and Michael Myers. Are we finally going to get that? We're definitely going to, and mm-hmm. it's the only place the movie could have possibly have gone, but it doesn't, again, kills felt like, like that the middling episodes of TV series that are stretching out for no apparent reason. Like that's what kills felt like. It was like, why do we need this movie? There's like 20 minutes of people we've never met before, you know, saying screaming evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. Man, I couldn't even remember the atrocity of dialogue. That's that's pop culture history. Now that's horror. That's iconic horror. Now evil dies tonight. Yeah. And so, um, I watched the trailer it doesn't look bad. It doesn't, it doesn't, sh- it's, it's definitely more of a teaser, right? Like it's a minute and a half yes, long, but it, it's a lot of like just flashes of things. Um, I, is she supposed to be wearing the same shirt she had on in the original Halloween? Uh, it would seem so. And I believe this film is supposed to be set a couple of years after Halloween kills, which makes her lack of laundry even more disturbing. Yeah, I believe it is in my head. It's four years. Uh, they said there's wow. going to be a jump. That's what I, that's wild to me. It's yeah. like it ends with like a cliffhanger, kind of right. Like it, it kills. Uh, yeah, it does. It ends with a it ends with a cliffhanger, which you'd think they would then pick up from immediately in the third film because it's going to have huge consequences. I, I don't know. I mean, am I excited they're doing a time jump? Uh, kind of, because uh, the the idea of this film to still take three films in one night is stretching it a bit. But like you say the way the second film ended, you kind of thought they were going to follow that up almost immediately. Yeah. Like completely. So that's, that's jarring. But I guess, uh, I thought the trailer looks interesting. Um, I, I'm a little more excited, still very apprehensive after the last movie, but maybe they can salvage this somehow. Uh, it is four years after the events. I've just checked. Universal Pictures have confirmed four years after the events of Halloween Kills, Laurie is living with her grandmother, Alison, her granddaughter, oh. sorry, granddaughter. Oh, I was about to say, what? Yeah, damn. <laughs> so there's a twist. Um, Andy Matrick, and, and she's finishing writing her memoir. Uh, Michael Myers hasn't been seen since, and Laurie's decided to liberate herself from this and just embrace life. And then there's more to the synopsis, which I'm not going to read out. But um, the synopsis sounds very cool, actually. It's on the Wikipedia page for Halloween Ends. Check it out, guys. That sounds quite cool. Even even if, you know, a bit odd that, you know, we're going to go from Halloween Kills to Laurie writing her memoirs. However, the trailer, I watched it this morning and I, I didn't, I just didn't, I wasn't taken by it. Uh, as someone who also really dug 2018's Halloween, I thought that was a really good bit of, contemporary horror or uh a, re- a recall or if we want to call it halloween kills was was poor in mo- almost almost every aspect but the trailer just didn't really do anything i know it's a teaser and they are setting up the showdown but that's all the teaser showed me was that there was going to be a showdown and it was how many ways can we show them show michael and laurie hitting each other and how many shots from the first the original film can we recreate and how many kind of cool badass lines can we give laurie to say kind of makes me worried that we're going to get a an evil dies tonight s kind of film where it's just taglines being thrown out rather than actual dialogue and yes i go to watch horror films for character and dialogue as well as i would do to see anybody else even though i'm aware that some subgenres of horror won't give you that but i'm a bit worried about this film jb the synopsis i've just read though sounds quite cool 
but the teaser didn't do an awful lot for me. I don't think I think it'd have a hard ta- task being worse than Halloween Kills. But from what I've seen so far, I wouldn't say my excitement's gone up any more than it has. the The idea that we're going to get more Jamie Lee Curtis, so that's never not a good thing. So I guess if anything, anything is going to get me more pumped for the film is knowing that, well, potentially, if anything, unless she gets killed off early, we're going to see Jamie Lee Curtis throughout the whole film as we didn't do in Halloween Kills. But JB didn't really do anything for me the trailer yeah i mean like i said I, i'm I, my expectations were real low so like maybe i'm just like being optimistic but i, I it, it showed the things that we wanted from kills like with her and him so i was like okay cool but yeah no no i, I get that maybe hey maybe it'll blow us away i hope it does i generally hope it does so um we're talking trailers this week we had the first trailer for the Monsters movie by Rob Zombie, which seemingly got crapped on by everyone who saw it for its visual styling and the fact that you have uh, Rob Zombie's wife, Sherry Moon, in the lead again and maybe isn't the best actress. However, um, I didn't mind the trailer. It's fine. Uh, our, our, my friend of Star Wars Sessions, Danny Roebuck, is Grandpa Monster. And whilst most people were slam- slamming the trailer, the majority of them said, well, hey, hey Grandpa Monster was spot on and having spoken to Danny for a couple of hours, that made me very pleased. But um, but this film, it, the guys have been posting it on their socials. They've been pushing it for a while now. We had the trailer. This is obviously a passion project for Rob Zombie. But it's going straight to Netflix, which is very odd because I would have thought it would have gone to Paramount maybe. But it's no, going it was a to- universal. It was supposed to go to Peacock and they Peacock, sold it to Netflix. Peacock. I was like, why is it not going to their own streaming series? But it's going to... Netflix. So uh, after 58 years of there being a monsterless world and with uh, Wednesday, the Adams Family Wednesday show mm, with um, Tim Burton, Tim Burton. And who, what's the actress called? We both think she's great. Um, uh, she's an ex and he, uh, uh, scream as well. Scream um, to me shortly, but she's, she's something Ortiz. Uh, Jenna Ortega. Jenna Ortega. There we got there. Um, oh man, that was bad. There. Sorry. You know, you, you, you helped me along there. Uh, she looks great as Wednesday, and she's a, I think she's wonderful. So we're going to get The Monsters and Wednesday, two kind of you know, shows that are going to play in the same sandpit. But what, what I wanted to know from you, JB, is did you see The Monsters trailer? And also, what do you think about the fact that Peacock sold it to Universal? It's almost like they're washing their hands with it. The, my understanding of the sale is that the trailer reaction was like the final straw. That They're like, oh, nope, damn. we don't want our hands with this. Um, quick sale, then. I I don't know if that's accurate, but that's my understanding um, from Tuna, uh, conversations I've had with Tuna about the yeah. sale. Um, I did not watch the trailer uh, all the way. Like I, I, I don't even think I, I was listening to it. I, it was on Instagram because I follow Rob Zombie on Instagram. Yeah. And I was like watching it there, but just enough. To, I'm not like, I never really watched the series. I watched the Adams Family TV series when I was a kid, like obviously reruns. Um, and then I watched the Adams Family movies, which I really liked as a kid. Uh, I haven't watched the two animated movies they did a few years ago. Um, but I was always more interested in the Adams Family than the Munsters. So I don't know much about it. I, what I caught from the trailer seemed to be telling the origin story of Eddie Munster, which that's the main Frankenstein guy, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, and that's a Rob Zombie trope, right? Like if you look at his versions of Halloween, for example... He goes really <laughs> deep on the, the origin of Michael Myers, something the other movies had never really spent that much time with. Like, I guess 
that's unfair because like the fifth or sixth movie when they get into the whole cult thing, there's a little bit of origin. But mm-hmm. Zombie spends what like the first movie we're in like the psycho institution. The I know that's not the appropriate term, but I feel like that's what they call it in the movie. It's very not PC, you know, at the time. Um, but we're in the the mental ward with Michael Myers and and the doctor for like a big chunk of that movie, like way more than you would expect for a quote unquote horror film, because that's what zombies interested in. Right. Like, and that's what it seems like he's doing here. Um, just again, from my glimpses of the trailer, I want to watch it probably, but it's on Netflix. So it's on Netflix. You know, I have both. Uh, I, I have access to Peacock, um, which there's some stuff on Peacock, like they've been up and down with their original content, but there's a new mm-hmm. series coming out called The Resort that looks really interesting. Uh, yeah, heard of that. Um, but uh, them them dipping on it's you know not not the best look. And Zombie's been working on this for a minute, like so, like they yeah. spent some money on this. It's not like they just you know I, I don't know if they got their money back with the sale, but maybe that was their concern is they weren't going to get their money back without the sale. So good point. Now I um I'm friends with Danny on Facebook and um somebody asked him the question of you know how do you feel about the film being on Netflix? And he didn't say anything bad, but he was like, Oh, it's, you know, it's a surprise, uh, but hopefully at some point they can give it a theatrical release like it deserves. So I don't know whether, you know, the cast and crew are also a bit kind of, huh, we, we kind of thought this was going to be a theatrical film and now it's been shunted from Peacock to Netflix. Um, so I guess it's probably going to sting a little bit, but um, I haven't seen anything really online saying that Rob Zombie has been kind of, polite about it saying yeah it's going to netflix everyone let's get in, on, on board but no look i'm going to check this film out when it comes out just because i can tick it tick it off the watch list and uh also because i don't think it looked awful and i don't think it looked i don't think it looks great don't get me wrong i'm not a huge fan of rob zombie's films any yeah, of them, same uh and in any way shape or form i mean the guy can make a film but I don't really find an awful lot in them that I enjoy. However, this is, this is a PG film. It's not a, an AT rated R or anything. This is a full on PG film. So I'm excited to see what he can do, you know, when he changes it up a little bit and goes from, you know, extreme gore violence and just douchiness, the films, the characters <laughs> to something like this, which is clearly a lot more lighthearted, a lot more uh, comedic and also a passion project. So this comes out, I believe in September, I think it comes out. So we haven't got too long to wait now, but uh, it'd be interesting to see how well it does going up against Wednesday on Netflix as well. Um, we mentioned just now as well, the BAMP anticipated movies. We dropped it on our socials. We'll give those links at the end. Did you want to quickly run through your 10, John and mine? So when it comes to the end of the year, we can oh. be like, right. That episode we did on the Crawdads, we predicted we'd like these and we hated all of them. I will have to pull up my list because I do not remember what I had. You, okay, I guess you, I have to um, these are in no particular order. Yes, no. Mine were uh, the same. No, and we and this is from August to August to December, and I think the majority are streaming slash theatrical releases. Yeah, I mean, what would be the uh, what else is left? Well, like the festival releases, you know, you get some films oh, come out in twenty twenty two, but they're not going to come out until twenty three for the mainstream. I like tuna uh sent me like there's a, a list there's a couple of lists of people like guessing what might be at tiff and stuff and it was just so long i couldn't even read through it so there's there's <laughs> definitely directors that have movies coming that i am a huge fan of that i did not think about when i came up with this list this was minimal research looking at what's coming out in theaters and streaming and and going yeah i want to see those things um and some of them I, the trailers have been bombarding us for months right um yep. 
So I'll just real quick, uh, don't worry, darling. Black Panther colon Wakanda forever. If that actually comes out this year, I still am hesitant because we have seen no trailers yet. True. Um, Blonde, Bullet Train, Prey, which is going to be dropping on Hulu like the first week of August. But uh, Dan Trachtenberg hasn't made a movie since 10 Cloverfield Lane. And I love 10 Cloverfield Lane. And the trailer for Prey looks pretty awesome, especially considering how bad the last Predator movie was. Um, Creed 3. Also hesitant that this is actually going to come out because we still have not seen a trailer yet. But not only is it uh, the the which I think might be the end of the Creed run, um, this is Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut, so that's huge. Yes, and uh, supposedly he did the uh, Journal for Jordan movie with Denzel because he wanted De- Denzel help like give him some tips on directing. Um, mm. I think so Denzel paid for his college classes in his will or something or film school classes or something. Like oh, that. interesting. I believe I it was that. Michael B. Jordan, yeah. Uh, we have Bros, which is getting a theatrical release, but is also going to be at TIFF. That's official. Um, Beast is the... Uh, the um, Idris Elba. Idris Elba film where he punches a lion. How can you not be interested in that? <laughs> uh, this one's definitely... A, this is not going to be for everybody, but Clerks 3 is dropping. Um, Kevin Smith is, is easily a huge influence on my life in ways that... Um, other people just aren't. And so mm-hmm. I, I constantly want him to be successful. Um, I have been critical of some of his stuff. Uh, I'm very critical of yoga hosers. I think that movie is, is really, really bad. Um, but I am a general big fan of, I love clerks. I like clerks too a lot. I think some of the scenes maybe don't age very well, even though like knowing Kevin, it, it's it, the scenes are there for, reasons that aren't bad they're not like badly intended but it still doesn't feel great to watch a character say the n-word several times Mm -hmm. um and uh but clerks 3 has been a work he's been trying to get this made for years so the fact that it's made and it's coming out is exciting i'm a little a little apprehensive about the meta quality of the trailer uh that it is about them making basically clerks um Little, little nervous about that to be honest but i still i'm very excited to get to see it uh i hope it gets a, a local theatrical release for me or I, i'm willing to drive to orlando if i have to but and lastly is a big streamer but it's one that um i i think you and i might be super anticipating is the glass onion a knives out tale or it's not a tale it's knives out um mystery uh, I think is the, what Ryan Johnson's gone with to, to name it. it was something we were all wondering, what are they going to call the knives out sequel? Because it would not make it sense to call it knives out since that's a <laughs> very specific <laughs> story. Um, but uh, I really love knives out. Um, and I am excited to see what uh, Ryan, Ryan or Ryan Johnson uh, brings to the table with the, the sequel, even though it is going straight to the streaming service, Netflix. Uh, although it's, it's probably going to get a debut at a festival. I think it'll get a cinematic release as well. I think Netflix are going to um, change their model up slightly for films like this, where it gets some kind of release window. Well, it will for Oscar purposes, but in the past that's been at like one or two theaters in big cities. So won't, won't likely be something I will get to see on the big screen. However, if it is like, even if I have to drive to Orlando or Tampa type situation, I would be willing to do that for that particular movie because I am excited about it. Yep, uh, same here. My that's a very decent top ten, my friend. Uh, mine again, no particular order. Also has Glass Onion in it. Guy loves Knives Out. I thought it was superbly written and acted, and 
great mystery great comedy hopefully ryan johnson uh, he's also a director i admire an awful lot i think he gets better with each film hopefully glass onion continues that trend uh, so yeah glass onion for me i've also gone for don't worry darling Look, florence Pugh, harry styles i mean come on this is gonna be this is gonna be great um i've gone for also chosen the, the woman king the viola davis led film john boyega too uh, the Banshees of Inner Sharing, that are um, Colin Farrell, Barry Keoghan, the new Martin McDonough film, Brendan Gleeson. You know, I'm here for that. Uh, she Said, the Harvey Weinstein kind of, it's not a bar mm. book of him, but that, that scumbag's in it. But it's got um, Zoe Kazan and Carrie Mulligan in it as two journos who uh, aim to bring down Weinstein. Uh, looks very good. I Want to Dance with Somebody. No, not a statement, but the name of the film. Naomi Aki is portraying Whitney Houston in a biopic, uh, which I think could be interesting. Bodies, 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 new slasher film. See How They Run is another film I'm intrigued for. It's a similar to like a Knives Out. It's going to be a murder mystery set in mm. 1950s London. It's got Saoirse Ronan, Sam Rockwell in it. John's oh. favourite, Adrian Brody's in it as well, but I'm not sure how for mm. how much. Harris Dickinson. Uh, is in it as well so there's a, a good little cast there and the trailer looks like a lot of fun so i've got i've thrown that in uh blonde anna de armas marilyn monroe biopic and bullet train as well so a couple i think we i think we said there are four films there bullet train blonde don't worry darling and glass onion we both went for that and then the other six completely different so it's going to be interesting when we get to the en- end of the year for the the prestigious bampy awards how many of these make it in? Uh, and I'm sure we'll reference this at some point and kind of look back and think, Jesus, what was I thinking? Or no, we were, we were bang on the money with those. But again, it's all subjective. So um, there are our top 10 anticipated movies for 2022. We'll give you the social links at the end. Let us know yours. Did we miss any? Uh, is there any on there which you would have or wouldn't have? Or as we said, is there some on there that you, sh- that you think have to be on that list? We'll give those links out at the end but until then let's move on to our next segment uh, segment which we call media consumption john is to movies tv series video games music podcasts which aren't ours comic books whatever it is that we've used to pass the time since the last episode we discussed that so jb you've always got a decent list what you've been checking out um as per usual the blank check podcast um they did uh lenny which is bob fossey's third movie um, about Lenny Bruce and they had, uh, Colin Quinn on the show to discuss, um, nice. Lenny Bruce. Uh, uh, so yeah, they're, they're like the Bob Fosse has brought like the big time celebrities to the show. Cause we had Rachel Zegler for cabaret. They had Colin Quinn for Lenny and, uh, they announced that are the next episode is the big one, all that jazz, which is a movie I've been meaning to watch for a long yeah. time. Finally going to check that off my, my list. Um, but they have Lynn Manuel Miranda coming wow. to the, the show uh, to do this episode. So That's a big deal. Wild. Yeah. Um, they, they really up their, their, I used to dream that maybe I would, because of like socials that I would get to be on blank check. I think now that is never going to be a possibility <laughs> pending we'll my own happen. celebrity, like at like shooting somewhere much larger than it currently is. I, and I have no, no, reason to believe that'll ever happen mind you i'm just saying like that's the only way i think i could ever be on blank check now there there was a time when it was possible when it was like other film critics who were on the show like maybe if i if i talk to them enough on twitter they'd be like hey this guy knows what he's talking about maybe we'll have him on an episode but now they're getting like lin-manuel miranda and i'm like uh yeah i can't compete with that um Don't so, so he's so short 
I, I, they are liking my tweets. That's all I can say. Like, I do get that satisfaction that, like, Griffin will like a tweet that I, I include them in or whatever. Um, but I, I came across a new podcast. Um, th- there's a streaming service called Mubi. We are not sponsored by them, but Mubi, if you ever want to, we're in. Um, I agree. A very cool. It's it's a cinephile streaming service. However, they have a podcast. Um, and for people that listen to the show, you, you're probably um, in the movies. And if you are a history person, this is the right podcast for you. I don't like history before <laughs> the last, like the last couple of years I've started to like, accept how important it is to understand the past in order to really appreciate cinema. So I've started to really dive into it. And this particular podcast is about, it's called there. The season two is called only in theaters and each episode they're focusing on literally a specific movie theater that has a historical contribution. Um, so like the first episode is about the Cinematheque um, in uh, France. Um, I think it was Cinematheque. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is like the history of that theater, uh, the person behind it, what that theater represents to like the film movements of France, like um, the French new wave being a, a major, you know, that was the theater that kind of spawned that movement. Um and I, I find it really, really interesting. It's well, uh, it's, it's more of like, um, it's not two people talking. It is like, there's interviews and it's cut together. And there's like, there's a lot going on in the podcast. It's very, very well made, very well produced. Um, something I think worth checking out if you're a movie nerd like us. I like this. John, I may actually, ch- I will check out the blank check. I promise you. I am slack. You know me, but it's been five years. You know, what I'm four or five years. You know what I'm like, but I like the sound of this one though, my man. Yeah, it's very, very cool. And again, it's it's a season, so I don't know how many episodes it will be in the season, but like, um, it is a limited run, and then they take like a break, and they come back with another topic for season three. Like I don't know what that topic will be yet. Podcast. But yeah, which I, I really hope the Blockbuster podcast comes back. We got two seasons only, and I love both. Um, yeah. I would really like another one, but um, but yeah, uh, check out the movie. I, I hope it's just called the movie podcast. Hang on. Um, I'm confirming... Oh, yeah, signed it's just movie up for movie last week to watch a couple of films. So again, these little co- these little uh, coincidences keep popping up. Yeah, it's weird how that works out. Um, I've actually uh, I've been a, a customer of movie on and off for several years, um, and uh, I had not listened to their podcast. I actually, wasn't I don't know if I feel like I heard about them having a podcast and I just never got to it. Um, but there was an ad I think on Blank Check maybe. Um, for this season and I was like oh that sounds totally up my alley and uh, I've listened to the first two episodes and I really like what they're doing I'm going to listen to the rest of this season for sure I might go back and listen to season one I don't know what the theme was for season one but um, thought I'd bring that up uh, movie wise um, I'm currently covering the Fantasia F- uh, International Film Festival um, so I'm, I'm watching some stuff that you can only see at the festival which is in Montreal Quebec and you have to be there to watch these but Listener, if you're not there, these are movies that you should add to your watch list, maybe. Um, that, that if you follow me at BurkeReviews.com, you can kind of keep up with what I'm saying is good and what I'm saying isn't. But I've seen Swallowed, Pop Ran, The Roundup, um, and I watched two more things. Uh, Princess Dragon I watched this morning, which is an animated film, and uh, Incredible But True. Um of those, I really like Popran a lot. Popran is the same director who did um, One Cut of the Dead and uh, Strange Actors, I think was his, his other film. Mm-hmm. Um, Popran, I liked quite a bit. It's not 
it's not as good as those other two, but it's definitely got some of the same quirkiness. Um, the Roundup is a solid action movie. Uh, Swallowed is a very interesting and oh, man challenging like thriller that uh, features the actor from Nightmare on Elm Street Two, uh, whose name I cannot think oh, of right Mark, now. But Mark um, Patton. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's in it, um, and oh, it's kind of wild that he's in it. Uh, but yeah, um, and then Princess Dragon I watched uh, today. Um, is very similar thematically to and structurally to uh, Wolf Walkers from a couple years ago, an animated film that's on Apple TV Plus that I've kind of been raving about for two years now, and it seems like no one I know has watched it outside of other film critics. Um, it's so good. Uh, everyone, go back and watch Wolf Walkers, and when you get a chance, check out Princess Dragon. Um, uh, it's a French film, interesting animation, but very, very uh, well-structured story and uh, compelling. Um, for movie club, I watched uh, "Dressed to Kill," the highly controversial um, Brian De Palma film. Um, so much so that uh, it's uh, on HBO Max and it's a TCM film, and they have the TCM introduction before it, and they they kind of like there are parts of this that do not age well, as uh, it is very <laughs> transphobic, um, right. and uh, yet. It is uh, an undeniable film. Like as it, getting, looking past the obvious problems the film has, especially about that uh, that specific topic. Um, it's De Palma's Psycho, and so I was instantly like, "Oh my! I didn't know this." Uh, and so for me, a person who has studied and taught Psycho way too many times, it's a film that I know so so well and have. Um, uh, I love it, but I also I have my complaints about psycho there's some there's some things that again especially when you look at the master of of cinema um him choosing to have the the psychiatrist basically break down the plot for you in case you didn't get it is not the best decision (laughs) on the grand scheme of things and de palma doesn't shy away from that either um but there's so much about it that is uh such an interesting film to watch um i had never seen it before it was very very uh it's it's a great film it's again super problematic not denying that at all but man as a film goes it is it is it's easy to see why De Palma is regarded the way he is I have not seen a lot of his big movies um something we've checked off a couple of big ones this month and I'm like wow okay uh he's clearly obsessed with Hitchcock which I get so I I I kind of am uh looking to to hit some of his other ones in the near future um Saw Cabaret, uh, I forgot to put that down. I saw Cabaret again. I got to see a 40th anniversary screening. Sweet. Um, 50th, 50th anniversary. I keep doing that. I keep shorting it a decade. Um, uh, and watching it on the big screen was, I, I just watched it like two weeks ago um, at home, but I definitely did not give it 100% of my attention, which I did at the movie theater. And yeah, man, Cabaret is such a great movie. Um, wild how good it is. And then uh, I, I saw Nope, which we will talk about next week. Um, so I'm not going to say anything about it, but go, go see Nope, Jordan Peele's new film. It's in theaters uh, this weekend, if you're listening to this when the episode drops, but uh, the weekend of July 20, 22nd, 22nd, that's it. Yeah, I think you're right. So yeah, that's what I've been watching. Uh, Matt, what about you, sir? Well, when I when I always say if John says to do something, you go and do it. Uh, I've actually been watching outside my window because it's just started raining, and I almost ran out and did a little rain dance. I'm so pleased. But um, 
This week, my friend, I've been listening to the Force Center podcast. I listen to them fairly regularly. It's a Star Wars show, uh, which kind of deep dives into the lore somewhat and also has some fun kind of um, side sub episodes where they'll have a bit of fun with the daft characters or just the absurdity of Star Wars. And I've been listening to the Patreon shows for Nightmare on Film Street, which are still going through the Nightmare on Elm Street films. They've ba- they basically watched all however many films there are nine films, including Freddy versus Jason and the 2010 remake in one sitting. It was you know it, the whole point was you know you never sleep again. Watched it back to back to back to back to back to back to back. Uh, so it's interesting to hear kind of madness set in as you get towards Freddy versus Jason. And then the, at the end on the, 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 the uh, 2010 remake, I mean, God damn, you want to be, you don't want to fall asleep at the end, surely. And you could put that one last, <gasps> but uh, looking forward to hearing what that one sounds like uh, in terms of films. though, JB, obviously the cruel dads, I checked that one out, but I've been checking films off of the watch list this week i went back and watched deep water the ben affleck and anna de armas thriller on amazon prime um it's fine i mean it's, it's not particularly great it's not particularly awful i think anna de armas is superb in it as this kind of awful person well she's portrayed to be anyway i think she's great at that well it's temptress mm. uh as for the film itself though it wasn't the most thrilling thriller i've ever seen um i watched uh, on on movie, I I got movie so I could watch uh, Benedetta, the um, mm. oh, I'm gonna for Hoven film Benedetta yeah. about the uh, about the nuns who like to engage in un nunly behaviour. Uh, I really liked Benedetta, JB. I thought it was, it was an excellent film. I don't, and oh, yeah. I think it started to fall apart towards the end a little bit, but I think this film was excellent. I think it's for Hoven's best work in a long time. Um, I, I think the main character, I can't remember her lead actress name now. She is superb. I like the way the story unraveled. I like the fact that we were kind of led to believe that something otherworldly is going on, but really is it? I quite like how that went. Uh, yeah. Benedetta, very strong film. I do understand now why you didn't show it to your school, uh, to study that film. Uh, but hopefully yeah. they can watch it when they're older and appreciate it for what it is. It's a very good film. Uh, another very good film I watched was pleasure which is a film uh, on Mubi. It got rave reviews at the Cannes Film Festival uh, last year. I probably won, maybe might have won uh, one of the awards. I'm not sure if it did or not, but basically it's a a story of a Swedish girl uh, who calls herself Bella Cherry. She goes to LA with dreams of becoming an adult film star, a porn star. Uh, However, you know, just thinks, you know, it's going to be an easy job. Turn up, do your stuff, get paid, live in the high life. Along she kind of charts her journey, when she realizes that, you know, it's dog eat dog world there. And there's also other things which you lose along the way. And it's also a kind of very interesting look at the behind the scenes of the adult film industry as well. And just how awful it is. And I don't mean what they're actually, what they're doing physically on set, but behind the scenes and the business side of it, it was directed by Ninja Thyberg. I think it was based on a short she did, but I thought this film was really very good as well. And Sophia Capel, who plays the, lead Bella Cherry I've put her in one of my top five performances so far of the year so the first six months I thought she was excellent in her first ever lead role first ever role sorry at all I thought she was very very good so uh, I watched Pleasure on Amazon Prime and then I watched Dashcam if anyone uh listened to me for a long time on or watched follows me or listened to Death by Pod back in the day uh, we both really liked Host 
the kind of 58 minute long pandemic lockdown zoom horror film host which was on shudder uh thought that was a superb use of you know capturing the zeitgeist of the time uh great use of the technology and it was a nice uh showcase for emerging up-and-coming brilliant uh, british directors like rob savage and writers like Gemma hurley and jed shepherd and we had jed shepherd on death by pod we had an interview with him great lad really good guy uh, and Dashcam was their follow-up to host loved host Dashcam. well it's set it's a film which is primarily shot using a dashcam uh, and also an iphone and it follows a uh this is within the film actually and also the actor herself a right wing uh live streamer who cruises the streets at night and her followers send in like a sentence and she has a stream of consciousness kind of she she makes up songs and po- poems about it and um it's played by she's played by annie hardy who in real life is you know she 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 is she leans to the right end, but in the film it's kind of exaggerated somewhat more to the fact that she's an absolute anti-vaxxer anti-everything she wears the maga hat uh everything about her is meant to be exaggerated but john this is the worst film i've seen all year by it oh, i man. hated hated it and i um, take no pleasure in saying that because in the film rob savage who directs it actually creates so many good moments of tension with the minimal uh budget and uh things he has to his hand and this one's funk this one is uh produced by blumhouse knows he's got the power of blumhouse mm. but the casting annie hardy in the lead and this has got nothing to do with her politics it was the worst decision they could have made because she is the worst part of this film and any film i've seen in years basically wow. everything she does is a song literally a song and it's the most churlish juvenile childish stuff you've ever heard they've clearly given her carte blanche to ad hoc her lines so when she's being chased by a baddie she's saying these lines which are meant to be funny and offensive but you want to pull your ears off i wasn't it i put in my review that it tries so hard john so hard to be edgy to be cool to be offensive and something else and funny and it fails on every single account it's not offensive it's offensively bad to my ears it's not edgy it's embarrassing it's not cool similar again it's cringe and it's just not funny and and it saddens me because when when that kind of stuff's not happening which is 95 percent of the time it is happening rob savage actually he shows that he's a very good up-and-coming filmmaker there's some really well-crafted scenes and sets and uh framing and composition of shot really well done but the lead character is the worst I've seen in years. It's one of the worst I've ever seen, in fact. And again, it's got nothing to do with the fact that she's a, a MAGA-loving right-wing mentalist. Nothing to do with that. Because in the film, that's the, char- the character is meant to be that. Now, I think Annie Hardy does lean that way in real life. That's no bother to me. People can think what they want. And I believe that Rob Savage and that they wanted to challenge the viewer to watch somebody who didn't share their beliefs and kind of have to root for them. But I just wish during it, I was like, I really wish the bad guy just finishes her off quickly. <laughs> uh, it's because as a character, she is awful. I must admit, I must stress, sorry, nothing to do with the politics. Not, I don't, I wasn't watching this like, ah, oh, you know, she's an anti-vaxxer. She's a MAGA lover. She's therefore, she's got to be killed off. It wasn't that. It's the actual performance and the characterization was so bad. If you can, my man, I don't know, YouTube and see if there's any scenes. It is horrible. Which is a shame because this film had a lot of potential to to be quite good. And I was really excited for it, given who was behind it. But 
yeah this sucks bad uh, so yeah dash cam goes below death on the nile and things like that because it's just painful to watch so uh Man. that's what i watched and where the crawdad sing was a great palate cleanser for that film so ah, take that what you will I, john yeah yeah juxtaposition yeah it's it, oh, i i hey I, I, I rec- guys go and watch it it's 70 minutes it's like an hour and 10 minutes these guys know how to make a short snappy film but oh i i i recommend it just because i want other people to feel my pain but i don't recommend <laughs> it because it's generally just crap i know some people really dig it because they bought into what they were going for but not for me and i don't find pleasure often in in you know negating a film but being negative and i don't find any pleasure here either but i can't be anything but honest that's what we do here on the show i despised it so uh that's what i've been watching this week john well, it sounds like you suffered enough. <laughs> yeah, I did, my friend. So uh, let's let's t- t- take it up a notch and find out what we've been doing to stay bloody awesome. Every week we have to find new ways to stay energised and bloody awesome to bring you guys the best show. So, John, how have you been staying bloody awesome this week? I have uh, – I took a family day. We, we – my wife, my daughter, and um, my daughter's boyfriend went to a uh, – like car museum um in in orlando i forget it's desert deezer something deezer line something like that um it's a it was an old mall that they've converted to a museum that still has like mall elements like there's still food courts and there's a few shops on the periphery um and there's also a bond museum in this place uh, they had several different Batmobiles, which was my favorite part of it. Of course, uh, all of the Bond cars were cool. All the, not all of the Bond cars are cool. Like just throwing that out there, some of the Bond cars are kind of lame. Um, no, but I agree. some of them are very cool. Uh, but they also had like a lot of Bond memorabilia, like collectible stuff that was kind of cool to see. Um, you're not the you're not the biggest Bond fan as a whole, are you? For content, I've only seen the Daniel Craig Bonds for the most part. Um, I will have watched all of the Roger Moore Bonds by the end of the year, <laughs> yeah, because of Blank <laughs> Check. Um, but no, I, I've seen I've seen parts of the Pierce Brosnan ones. I don't think I've ever watched any of them all the way through. Um, and I played GoldenEye multiplayer, uh, so I never even played like the story for GoldenEye. Um, and I've maybe seen clips of the others. I've, I don't think I've ever sat through any of the other Bond films all the way through. Um, so, yeah, I am a Daniel Craig Bond fan, though. I do like uh, three of the five movies. And um, But uh, it was still cool to see all the stuff. Obviously, uh, through just living in the culture, people, you're going to be familiar with some of the Bond things. And I've seen clips and villains and stuff. So I, I knew some of what I was looking at, but not all. Um, but a lot of the cars were really cool. They had like a, they had the Ecto one and the DeLorean, the two different Knight Rider vehicles, um, which I, I love that show as a kid. So it was cool getting to see all these cars. Um, it was a, just a fun family day though. Like being at this place, uh, had a really good lunch and a very good dinner. Um, so yeah, it was just a, a lot of fun, uh, day out with the family. And that's what it's all about. It's, we always say into other than film and maybe chicken wings, there's not much, that could top being bloody awesome in just hanging with the fan, my friend. And that's kind of mine as well. Um, the day you saw Ecto one, I took, uh, my daughter to a, a summer fair to get out in the heat before it got too hot. Uh, and that was, that was great. Uh, it was, she got to go on all of the, the, the kind of the, fa- the fairground rides there. Uh, one of them, she won an inflatable kind of like mallet, big like hammer. And you can understand, imagine what happened when a six year old gets hold of an inflatable hammer. 
you get whacked yeah. very early in the morning. Um, <laughs> and, um, uh, you're checking out of the puppet shows and, uh, playing in the tombola winning stuff and seeing the ghostbusters too i sent you the picture uh, there was yep. the the local the ghostbusters cool. yeah, yeah they're, they're great it's the guys called the surrey ghostbusters similar to how you guys have in the states i don't know if it's um segmented by state like the florida ghostbusters but here it's kind of done by county or town but we had yeah the surrey ghostbusters which i guess in term to explain it to uh a an american that would be like our state would be sorry uh we call it a county oh, okay. state. so like the our state county ghostbusters which i didn't even realize there was such a thing but you know around where i live there is a, a group a squad of people who dress up as ghostbusters and go to fairs and you know kids mm-hmm. parties or to the yeah, make a wish foundation and of course i'm a huge advocate for people to do that somebody had to dress up as the stay puff marshmallow man which i felt so bad for them a picture of vigo the carpathian uh, and yeah, the props, that's awesome. and props were there and stuff like that. It's any kind of small thing for them, but yeah, Olivia, she loves the Ghostbusters, and she uh, her exact words at one point were, oh, "She's really pleased." She goes, oh, "It's a girl Ghostbuster," and oh, nice. It's kind of, it kind of brings it into perspective. We've said it on this show about that 2016 Paul Feig one. Is that whilst it may not have entirely worked for us, you know, it works for it's there for a reason and it exists for a reason. And there's a whole group of people, lots of people who dig that film for that very reason because. They can see themselves on screen now, and yep. I, I told representation the, matters. Representation matters, dude. And I told the the girl Ghostbuster that, and she said, "Well, when you're old enough, come and join up. You know, we need to, someone to help catch the ghosts and to keep the keep the guys in line because you know they're a bit silly." And I was like, "Well, you've seen the Ghostbusters, but uh, so she was very excited at the idea of becoming a Ghostbuster one day. And I hope she goes back to school in September and tells her teacher that that I'm going to be a Ghostbuster when I grow up, and then just to hear the teacher's reaction to that. But um, yeah, uh, so that was mine. Haven't hanging out with little one at a cool summer fair i didn't really i didn't even realize it was there until like an hour before we left and also yeah also just not dying in the heat um i love the sun for the for in small patches but doing everything i can to stay out of the heat was how i've been staying bloody awesome by staying alive john so um family wins by the sounds of it for both of us my friend and i think we win and you guys win because that was a hell of an episode uh but it's going to be the end of it here right now for the where the crawdads sing episode we hope you enjoyed listening to us who will be back with our spoiler episode in a few days time and do keep note of those most anticipated films of ours because we'd love to talk more about them towards the end of the year or whenever you want but like John said, we're going to be back next week. Yep, we're going to be back with Nope, the Jordan Peele horror film. I'm so very excited to check that out. But in the meantime, if you do want to talk to us about film or just follow us and hang out online, you can do. You can find us online at Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. John, where are we on Instagram? We are at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. And Facebook, just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. We're on there too. If you want to find me online, you can do at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and just search What I Watch Tonight across Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd as well. And John? And I'm at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. Go check out JB everywhere you can find him. So, yeah, if you like what you've just heard, please do consider leaving us a five-star rating and review if you can on your podcast provider of choice because it bumps us up the algorithm gets more listeners in and we get the more opportunities to speak with more film fans which is kind of what we're here for each week but with that as always stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies blood 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 blood
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Blah, 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 bl